Welcome to We Didn't Start the Fire, where I get to chat with interesting people on interesting things. My name is Theo Priestley, and I am a futurist author and associate fellow with the Tony Blair Institute for Global Change. And with me today is Clara Charia, who is an unofficial alien universe consultant. She is also a jeweler, a director for CLAW Claw Creative Studios and Studio Utani. Clara, how are you? I know there's just so much stuff uh, in that, isn't there? <laughs> um, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. How are you coping with the, the the whole lockdown situation? I mean, you must be like nose deep in books, alien books and research, surely. Oh yeah, I'm um I'm preparing for Alien Day. So basically, I've just been crazy doing interviews and editing and stuff like that. So it's been it's been fun. Yeah. What's uh, what's Alien Day? So on it's the unofficial celebration uh, day for the fandom where um I guess one of the marketing guys who I just interviewed actually Josh Izzo who used to um, be at 20th Century Fox uh, he kind of created that day for fans to kind of come together and celebrate so on the 26th of April like LV 46 uh, ah. everyone kind of does alien things or there's special releases and usually there are special events going on, screenings and such. Okay, cool. So what's Studio Utani then? Because you're part of that, aren't you? Yeah, so that's my little fan group I started up about soon after Covenant came out. I kind of got super obsessed with the film (laughs) or just even more so with Alien than I had been in previous years. And I just needed to know more and research more. So I started a blog, started out on Tumblr, and I had people submitting um, ideas and we would do deep dives and kind of investigate where all of this sort of inspiration came from, uh, the way it made it to the screen. And then I started doing an interview series with creatives who had worked on alien properties or on the film, comics, books. And then that kind of led me to publishing on WordPress and starting the podcast. And now I have this little project where I dedicate a lot of money and time into um, getting fans to create stuff, original stuff for um, Studio Yutani, uh, either inspired by alien AI, robotics or sci-fi. And and we've got two projects going at the moment. We're translating the Japanese novel of Prometheus because it never came out in English and uh, I also found the Prometheus binders. So these were the original production binders. Only a few of them were made that were done for the original Prometheus film, and I have two of them out of three. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's really great that so many fans feel so dedicated as well, that they want to spend a lot of time and money on me <laughs> to be able to do these things for them. Have, uh, are you still investigating where the, uh, the, third, the third binder is then? Oh, I would love to get it. Um, I'm speculative of what's in there because the the two binders I have is binder one and binder three, and they cover things like HR Geiger's art, concept art from different artists, and then there's like the creature concepts, uh, the ship. But like I, I don't even know what's in in the missing second one. So that would be that'll be really cool if I could ever track that down. How how did you even like come about finding um, the first two then um, that you've got? I mean, did the people submit those um, where to find them, or did you? It was just through investigation that you found that these things existed. 
people seek me out. They go, I think you'll be interested in this. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> and then I spend a lot of money. <laughs> so um, it's, it's, it's definitely a passion thing. Um, and especially in, in this sort of financial market now, I'm kind of regretting having spent so much money on it. But you know what? It's, it's a one-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-lifetime thing. Yeah. So... I mean, I've got comic books here, um, shelves of comic books and graphic novels, and some of them have been signed. Um, and in the same situation, is um, looking at them, going, "Well, there's a lot of money tied up here." But um, and, and you know, as a freelancer, I'm thinking, "Oh, I'm also quite skint. Um, I should I <laughs> should I sell them off?" But I'm thinking, "No, do you know what? I mean, these are things that you know you'll never get to sort of um, buy back again, kind of sort of thing. So it's good to sort of hold on. I'm a bit of a hoarder. I've got books all over the place as well. So I don't want to give any of those things up. I know how that feels. I'm, I've got at least a, a couple of containers worth of like models and figures and collectibles and like scripts and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty extensive now. I'm, I'm really afraid if my house were to ever go up in flames. <laughs> losing a lot of stuff i've even contemplated like 3d scanning everything so i have like a cloud backup of my things wow okay (laughs) do you do you own any movie props then yeah um i ended up becoming good friends with a few people who worked on the film and they have been very kind to me (laughs) i can't say what i've got um Ah, okay it's it's pretty amazing this the stuff that I've been given and and I've been given gifts from like other fans as well. They've gone and bought stuff and then just given it to me, which is pretty amazing because they they know that I'm I like I give and share a lot. Like for Alien Day, uh, my my group Studio Yutani hosts a giveaway, and I've spent in upwards of seven hundred Australian dollars buying stuff just to give away randomly on the day because um. In previous years, uh, 20th Century Fox haven't really done something community-wise or it's only given away in the USA and it's never international. So I try to e- extend that sort of community out to, like, further. So I've sent things to, like, Canada, to the UK, to New Zealand, to um, all sorts of places. It's, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing how many fans around the world there are. Can you remember the first time you actually watched an alien movie? I mean, was it? Did you start right at the beginning, or, or was it literally when you watched Covenant that, uh, that was your first experience? No, my first experience was actually when I was about four years old, when um my cousin was watching uh, horror movies with me. Um, my first horror movie was Poltergeist, and that kind of scared the crap out of me. <laughs> but they had to. I, I think my parents had to get me sedated to be able to get me to go to sleep because it scared me so much. But after that, that was kind of like an inoculation. Every horror movie I watched after that didn't bother me. And I was four years old when I watched Alien and I was just absolutely obsessed by it for, for a child. And you, you know what it's like with kids. They, they find mm. something and they latch onto it. And um, <laughs> Alien was it for me. And, like, even right up until, like, my teen years, I was watching all of the films as they came out. But being able to be like an adult and watch an alien film now and then kind of have like nuanced knowledge and experience of other films and, you know, social structures and things like that, you you get to experience more in the film than just kind of like seeing it as a kid. Yeah, no, I get that. So 
out of all the films that you've seen then, which one you must have a favourite that you go to all the time? Uh, I'm afraid it has to be Alien Covenant. And the reason why I say I'm afraid is because it's like the most most loathed in the series <laughs> by fans. I've been called a fake fan for um for liking it. Oh, because- no. <laughs> it's certainly polarising, isn't it? I mean, uh, I don't mind Covenant at all, actually. Um, and and I do find David's um, story quite fascinating, especially from a, a, an AI perspective, as it's something that I sort of role as a futurist and, and um, looking at technology, spend a lot of time researching. So watching his story develop um, from an autonomous uh, android or robot or what you, whatever you want to call him, to, to someone who literally creates the franchise in a way um, right from the beginning um, is an interesting journey. I mean, do you think we'll, we'll ever see a third film uh, where we get to see a conclusion for his his story arc? Um, I know that at some point they were definitely gearing up for the third film, but once the feedback came back and the box office performance wasn't that great, they kind of put an indefinite pause on it. And it's unfortunate. Who knows with the the new um, head of films for 20th Century Studios, apparently he's an alien fan. So hopefully he, he can kind of see the value in continuing that story. And let's face it, really Scott is really great, but he's pushing <laughs> pushing 80 now. And and you can you know you can't run like that full ball forever. Um, mm. something's got to give. So I, I really hope that they kind of take advantage of the fact that he's he's still spry <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, who, who knows? And, and, like, the industry is really suffering with this uh, pandemic. It's, it's put a lot of uh, projects on hold. So now there's going to be even more of a wait, I guess, for a lot of other things to come out. And um, no doubt it'll end up closing a lot of, smaller studios or in some cases big studios because they have higher um costs to run run it all um but yeah it's it's really uncertain i really hope so at least at at the beginning we were told or as i heard on the grapevine as a fan uh that there was a third film coming and it would be a lot smaller budget uh and i think at that point ridley was just trying to find um, more producers to back his his passion project, so it's it's really uncertain at the moment. I'm sorry, I couldn't give you a straight answer. No, 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 it's fine. I mean, um, I, I completely get you know under these situations, um, especially with the coronavirus lockdown, that we are looking at a, you know a pretty long tail before we even come out of this. Um, I'm seeing reports, especially in the UK, where um, they're asking us to basically stay under these sort of quarantine type positions for um, at least sort of uh, end of May, beginning of June, and then expecting it to last in terms of social or physical distancing protocols for the rest of the year. Now, that will affect movie studios for sure. I'm wondering whether there'll be a lot of script writing, um, idea generation during this time, Um, you know, as people sort of hunker down and try to think, what are we going to do when we come out of this? Was what wasn't Neil Bloomkamp uh, still trying to get his um, his Alien uh, movie off the ground, or has that been completely canned as well? Well, I I believe I've been told that Neil's film was going to be on pause until Ridley had finished his movie arc. 
So that's kind of your answer there, <laughs> whether or not it'll come out. Um, that that was the general plan. He was just told that he'd have to wait. Um, so yeah, I guess there's a possibility maybe with you know the new head of studio works, he might look at maybe indulging Neil doing a short series or or maybe doing the film because it might be a smaller scale. Uh, who knows? It's it's just um, it's definitely something that I was I was interested in looking at, but like timeline and canon wise, it would have like the idea of his film would have retconned two films that I think really work for Ripley's character arc um, or archetype with um, the sort of like the Ubermensch Nietzschean person who rises above humanity and only by abandoning her humanity she was able to you know over overthrow the xenomorph i think that neil's film would have just played into the whole action sequences and kind of making characters that we couldn't let go of come back but not for any right. good reason <laughs> like i love hicks i love newt i love ripley but i just i think the the more times we just keep bringing Ripley back, the more disappointed people are going to be. Uh, you can't catch lightning in a bottle twice. No, I get that as well. Um, uh, if you look at the the Star Wars universe, for example, um, the expanded universe had so much richness to it and different stories. Um, and, and yet, from a movie perspective, we got given the same characters over and over again. You kind of feel that way with with things like Alien where obviously actors age and and seeing the same actors play the same roles over and over again to the point where they'll probably start employing technology to make them look younger and that's when things start to fall apart. I mean, do you find that the, you know, the expanded universe, I guess, from an Alien franchise perspective is being stretched thin with the amount of novels that are coming out and audiobooks or is that still quite a good thing in terms of just expanding the whole myth and uh, ethos of of the alien and the xenomorph and and obviously uh, Wayland Yutani as well. Uh, I I really love the expanded universe just because it kind of gives us something in the meantime while we wait for a film and not not saying that the expanded universe is is not very good it's it's great the past two books that have been released Alien Phalanx and Cold Forge I really loved. Um, and then, you know, we've had other tie-ins, which I think were pretty good, not terribly great, which was the novelization for Alien Isolation. I still stand by the game as being the main storyline that I like. And uh, there was also Alien Prototype, which came out by, uh, I think, uh, Mr. Tim Wagner, and, and that was pretty good as well. Um, it was really interesting. I guess with the EU as well, you have to kind of let go of what your expectations of Alien are. In a film, you know, you're always going to see an egg, a chestburster, the alien, a woman defeating the alien. But with the books, it's kind of different. They they have a different formula. They're, they've got a, a bit more leeway to kind of explore what the alien could be, how it can come to be, what sort of... Um, what sort of influence Waylon Yutani has on acquiring the xenomorph and and how that happens and yeah I I, I feel like those stories are, are worth telling and and even possibly worth investigating a way to put them onto a streaming service because the stories are, are really engaging. 
Yeah, I think it would be great if we saw some kind of um, adult animation coming out of it, even if there are no more movies, um, an animation feature that would take some of these stories, lift them out of the books uh, and onto screen for people to enjoy would be great. I mean, I'm I'm kind of sort of partway through Phalanx. I bought um, Prototype uh, on the um, Audible for to listen to um, when I'm doing some uh, freelance work as well. So um, I'm looking forward to that. Although Phalanx is a completely different, um, I guess, um, story setting uh, as well, uh, taking taking it out of from I guess modern times in a sense. I've I've only just started, and and it's and it's thrown me in terms of um, the, the the immediate <laughs> setting, and then I'm like, whoa, this is completely different. But uh, you know, I, I I would probably say to people listening, you know, go buy it, especially if you want to read and I, I guess imagine. Uh, the alien universe in in something completely alien itself. Yeah, uh, it's it's not what I like. I, I knew what to expect kind of by reading the the blurb. I, I didn't actually get to read the book while it was in development. Uh, I I didn't want any spoilers, so I specifically asked for them not to tell me. And even though I had a copy of the book a month before it got released, I I waited till the official release to actually read the book, hold it in my hands and, you know, smell it. <laughs> I listened to the audio book as well um, and kind of like, you know, go through the pages and, and flick back at different things. Cause when I listen to the audio book, I want to be able to go, Hey, wait a second. What did they say? And I flip back into it in the book and go, Oh wow, this is interesting. And I kind of like read it again and again and again to kind of like digest it because I just find uh, little details like that, especially in, in a story like Phalanx, the, the details do come back in a good way um, if you pay attention. I, I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> no, I have literally just started it. So I would say I'm halfway through chapter two. Um, so it's not very far in. And so I, I, and to be honest, I haven't picked it up for about a month because obviously all, sh- all you know, the, the world went to shit. And so I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't need um, to read about another world going to shit when your own world is going to shit. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, I seem to have a, a lot of free time. I might actually start picking up, you know, all these unfinished books that I have strewn around the house. I, I really um, encourage you to uh, listen to the audio book just because of one of the characters sounding just like Cartman from um, South Park. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it, it makes for an uh, interesting listen, at least. <laughs> Talking of uh, you know alien alien and uh, different settings, I mean, did you rate any of the, the sort of crossover um, into the uh, the Predator universe at all? Um, I have this thing about Predator. I like it the way that I like Aliens, where it's all about action. Uh, I don't find that there is any like deeper meaning or story or analogy ever kind of put across, at least not in a way that I could understand. I watch Predator. I even, like, played AVP. Uh, I even, like, really love the first AVP. But as for Predator itself, it's it's not something that I would watch to kind of, like, tickle my brain. <laughs> no offence to those people out there who really love Predator that way. Um, it it's just doesn't do it for me in that sense. When I was a teenager, I really enjoyed watching it and kind of cheering on 
the predator against the aliens. But then as, as I grew up and I, I fell in love with, it, with the aliens more, I was like, no way, man, the alien would totally kick your ass. <laughs> so, so now when I watch it, I just get grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> Is, is there a crossover that you would love to see happen in the Alien universe then that hasn't happened yet? Um, I would like to see, oh, I guess, in like with, especially with crossovers and in, in the comics, you, you get a lot of that stuff in the old school comics, mm. like, you know, Alien versus Judge Dredd or you know, um, Alien versus Superman or something like that or Alien Pig. Um, it's, it's, it's very, I've not seen that one. <laughs> oh, it's, it's interesting. I'll, I'll send you the cover so you could, I don't know, have a look at it and have a little laugh. <laughs> it looks like there's babe on the cover. It's just very strange. A crossover. I think I would really like to see would be something like ghost in the shell. So major versus the alien, because she's, she's got a, a suit that makes her invisible, just like the predator does. Uh, but she is an android and she's very fast. So I would think that her speed and agility and, you know, just generally being able to mask her presence and then the alien not being able to detect her because she's an android, it would make for an interesting fight. Ah, that's quite interesting because as soon as you mentioned that, I thought, oh, well, hang on, well, maybe Alita Battle Angel as well would be a good, uh, oh, yeah. a good crossover <laughs> as well, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, so if yeah if, if there's anyone there uh, out there listening and uh, who wants to put a script together, we've just given you some free ideas. <laughs> yeah, especially uh, <laughs> with um, the fact that I think both uh, titles are owned by Disney, Alita Battle Angel and um, Alien. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'll be. I'll, I'd totally be there in the cinema when they eventually open uh, <laughs> to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> if they ever open again, yeah. Yeah. So, so obviously, as an, uh, an unofficial alien consultant, you spend a lot of time researching and, uh, and digging in, and people send ideas um, and, and theories. What's the, the kind of, sort of wildest fan theory that you've been sent on the, fr- on the franchise before? Uh, I hadn't been sent it, but I found it during my investigations and research. So I'd stumble onto this blog where uh, someone had done an analysis, like a very, very, very deep analysis into Prometheus, and I thought I was obsessed. These people were absolutely obsessed to the point where they started taking film faux pas as part of the story. So they had this theory that Elizabeth Shaw, like in the mission that we were watching, uh, she had been cloned. So it jumps between... Shaw, who went on the original mission, and Shaw, who had been cloned and sent to the, to the planet again. And they had this wild theory that because her ring was missing in some uh, scenes of the film, that that was the clone of Shaw, but the original Shaw always has the ring on. So they had gone through every single frame and noted when Shaw's character had the ring on and when it, she didn't have the ring on and then came up with this wild theory that Waylon Yutani had cloned her to try to find out where David went. And it okay. was like for pages and pages and pages with screenshots and explanations and circles and <laughs> all sorts of things. And I kind of had a headache at the end of it because I was like, wow, 
that's like it's plausible because they had so much to back it up, but it was just a con- continuity fault and they had made so many excuses for the faux pas that it, it could totally be plausible because it's a theory, but it's 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 just that they they forgot to get um, Lumi replaced to put the ring on in between certain shots. So, you know, the ring is on in one shot, the ring is not on another shot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was like probably the most craziest one I've ever I've ever seen. <laughs> That's obsessive detail that is, isn't it? Yeah, like I, I totally feel like they could totally um, replace me if if they, <laughs> if they <laughs> studied the film that, that deeply. Um, yeah, it just, yeah, it threw me for a loop. Uh, at least for two weeks I was like, what? Huh? I just, I just, I, I don't know. I just, maybe I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you start doubting yourself. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was such a good theory argument that I just, I, I couldn't really, you couldn't really argue with it. <laughs> Have you seen the, um, the YouTube video of the guy who deconstructs um, John Carpenter's The Thing to prove that I think both McCready and uh, Childs at the end were infected? Um, and he goes to that obsessive level of detail where he's looking at costume changes. And I think because the, where they filmed and it was done on a complete budget. Um, I don't think they had that many costumes, or certainly the, the 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 gear that they had was extremely limited. So they all wore kind of the same things. But he was taking it to the detail of, well, he wore that in that scene, but then he didn't wear that in the other scene. So that means that it's not actually a continuity error. It was actually done on purpose and things like that. And I think yeah. back in 1982, I don't think they really thought about it that deeply. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't seen that, but you totally have to link me to it so I could I could think about it for another two weeks as well. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know really if I should. I, I mean, like, I, I really love that fans are so passionate that they spend so many hours trying to come up with these series. And the reason why these films do so well is because that they leave a lot for people to think about and part of the great thing about writing for films is that if you leave enough of a space an intentional space where there's some mystery people kind of insert their own narratives and and some in some cases it's more creative than what the original writers came up with and and that's part of the fun it gives um you know writers as well that avenue to basically you know create the expanded universe in in a way as well so you know you have um tim wagner's novels um there's the other guy as well who's been right alex white is it? alex white uh, oh yeah he's yeah, a mate of mine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and his novels as well and 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 i think those gaps are great for people just to sort of fill in and create new characters and new stories and th- this is what i love about um in the star wars and, and things like that is that that kind of richness to it you have the main story arc of you know of, of ripley for example and her her journey um, through the alien universe but then people can sort of build other stories around that and then there's the whole the creation of um, of david of wayland yutani story in itself as well and and how the uh, you know the xenomorph came to be um, and then you can spin those off again and again and again and and, and phalanx in, in, a, in a sense is spinning it in a completely different way uh once more so i, I think the more i think the more gaps that these franchises leave open i think the 
better it is for not only fans but people to be able to create new um, stories out of those yeah I think you don't really want to paint yourself into a corner with details like um, I had recently had the opportunity to interview Scott Sigler who wrote Failings and um, he was saying that Fox were very specific about him not explaining the alien even though he he managed to write basically a Bible on on how the alien can come to exist because he's totally obsessed with science and accuracy and and stuff like that. And they, they basically told him, no, you can't do that. (laughs) That doesn't leave much space for other people to create. Um, And, and at the end of writing Phalanx, he, uh, he basically understood, you know, why it was really important to kind of not really nail down any particular, you know, evolution of the species or the origin of the species, because that kind of kind of ruins uh, any chance for any other writer to come in and say, "Hey, you know, this is my version of how I believe alien could be in this universe, and, and these are my versions of characters, and they're going through all of this for a reason." You kind of stop yourself short when you kind of explain it too much. So, so yeah, it's it's definitely something that definitely benefits from the fans kind of inserting their own ideas and narratives in there too. So just to sort of close off the podcast, um, one thing I usually ask a guest is to completely remove themselves from the from the, the, the current topic and, and think of something that they've seen in the news or something that they just like to talk about in general, uh, just from a, a sort of general perspective. Is there anything that you would like to sort of like just throw out there? Um, I feel like... I was really lost at the beginning of the lockdown because it was kind of just trying to come to terms with what was happening. And after I stopped worrying about myself, I started worrying about my friends and reaching out to them. And I think it's really great that we're so lucky to be where we are now in history with the technology that we have to be able to, you know, use video conferencing to still go to school or go to work. You know, we can still see our friends and talk to them. We can, uh, still like shop and do all of these things. Whereas, you know, a hundred years ago when the, the Spanish flu, you know, came through, it it decimated society and, and kind of cut a lot of people off. This is, we get to witness all of this in real time where people are using this time to reach out to family and friends to create. Sure, we've seen pretty shitty behavior from all sorts of people around the world with (laughs) toilet paper hoarding. That's totally weird. (laughs) Um, And, and hoarding food and, and then kind of that this is, this is the time where we get to see who people are under pressure. And I just want to say how proud I am of my brother. It's really weird, but um, you know, I love my brother, but we, we, we kind of got along but didn't get along as we were growing up and he has just opened up his heart. He, he works for a, a Australia Post, so he's still working. He knocks on the doors of neighbours and goes out of his way to, like, know their names, lets them know that, you know, he can. he's going out every day so if they need anything he's happy to pop to the shops or, you know, if they need, you know, someone to talk to. I didn't know my brother had this in him. I didn't know how amazing he was. And I think that's the sort of thing that I really love about this whole shitty situation is um, <laughs> how, how much people can surprise you 
in ways that you would not expect. So Alex, if you're out there, I'm so proud of you. I love you. <laughs> you're, you're a better human than I am. I think that's a wonderful way to end this podcast, actually. I think what you've touched on is really relevant. I think we should be seeing a, a fair bit more of what community really looks like now under these kind of situations, people coming together. Uh, I keep seeing uh, things, clips being shared on on Twitter, for example, of people holding birthdays under lockdown. And especially from a child perspective, some kids just don't understand that they can't have their friends around for a big giant birthday party with cake and presents and sweets and stuff like that. Um, and we're seeing people like um, shouting, for, uh, singing happy birthdays from you know, across the street, um, or or I saw a recent one where they were doing a drive-by of all their friends um, oh, yeah, singing happy parade. birthday. Yeah, that did you, was really yeah. amazing. Oh, I, I cried. <laughs> it was such, It's I love this sort of feel-good stuff, um, especially when you, you feel as alone and isolated uh, as we all feel currently under our, our virus house arrest, you know. Um, mm. I don't know, I don't know how, Aung San Suu Kyi did it. It's just amazing <laughs> to be able to have the sort of, I don't know, s- stability to be able to go through that. I don't think I'd be able to to last any longer than a couple of weeks. <laughs> I'd go mad. I'd go mad. But, uh, like, I'm still – we're lucky in Australia. We, uh, we still get to walk around and go to the park. Uh, we still can go to places, but we, we are very limited. I think they just – moved it up to stage three now where we can only have two people meet out somewhere. You can't have like any big groups. So it's, it's a very strange time to be living. We're all very separated, but at the same time we're all experiencing it together and we're not alone. So yeah, the wonders of technology. I just can't wait till, um, till I can get a robot body and this virus wouldn't mean anything. <laughs> I could just go out there. <laughs> I could go to space if I want to. I don't have to worry about um, the the effects of space travel on my my human body. That's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> Clara Battle Angel. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> um, well, look, Clara, thank you very much for uh, joining me on this podcast to talk about Alien. Um, it's actually been about really fascinating for me just to sort of understand you know, how, how the whole fandom sort of works and, and what you do and, and, and digging around into into the expanded universe as well. For anyone interested, where can we find more about you? You can find me on my fan blog, which is uh, utiny.studio, and you can kind of find the extension of that project into a real world business, which I don't know whether it'll exist at the end of this pandemic, uh, but it's uh, clawcreative.space. So um, yeah, you can find me on there and on Twitter. I'm sure, I'm sure Theo will uh, share um, my socials <laughs> as well, but you can find me Studio Yutani on Instagram. I'm basically everywhere. I'm on Reddit. I'm on AVP <laughs> Galaxy. I'm on Tumblr. You just reach out to me on Twitter and I'll, I'll spam you with all of my socials. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining me for this podcast. You can find this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts and others. Please spread the word, subscribe. And if you feel generous, I've got a coffee account as well. You can uh, drop some donations too. Thanks very much and see you next time. <laughs>